Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about everything that runners should need to know about surgery on the plantar fascia. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Today we're talking about surgical options for chronic plantar fasciitis, and not every runner needs to listen to this, but if any of you have had chronic heel pain and you're considering surgery, it's really important that you understand what all the different surgical procedures mean in terms of the procedure themselves, but also what they mean to you as a runner. So I personally believe that my entire job is to help runners continue running, and so I have a perspective that's a little different than some other surgeons. So we're going to talk about all the special considerations that you need to take into account if you're considering surgery on the plantar fascia. So the first thing to talk about is why is plantar fascia surgery appealing? Well, the first thing that you have to think about is why are you thinking about surgery anyway? If you think about this from a psychological standpoint, the fact is that when people get frustrated, they start looking for solutions. If you've tried a lot of different treatments and it seems like you're not getting better, you probably want to fix it as fast as possible. This is only human nature. With the current onslaught of advertisements about medications and surgical procedures, it's not surprising that it seems like surgery could fix just about anything. Now, somebody who's trained as a foot and ankle surgeon, I like the idea of fixing things. When I raced motorcycles, I found it gratifying when I could take a motorcycle that had been virtually destroyed in a crash and then fix it, get back on it, and still win a race. But human beings are relatively complicated machines. And it's one thing if your car starts making a noise, you may simply be able to replace a part so it doesn't make a noise anymore. If you have chronic knee pain, you can even replace that part too. You can get a total knee replacement. Now that may allow you to walk without pain, but it's not your normal anatomy. And I don't believe there is anyone, not even your orthopedic joint replacement surgeon, who is going to argue that an artificial replacement is going to work as perfectly as your natural anatomy. So why do doctors recommend surgery? So This is not complicated. All doctors are on a mission to make you feel better by helping you manage diseases and deformities that interfere with your lifestyle. So if we get to the point that we think we cannot cure your issue with conventional measures without surgery, then we start thinking of surgical solutions. So when is is surgery truly necessary, though? So one thing you have to understand is that almost all doctors will agree that surgery is traumatic and damaging. Almost no doctor is going to recommend surgery to you as the very first option. In fact, many years ago when I was a medical student, I went to the um, annual conference of the American College of Foot and Ankle Surgeons, and during one of those lectures, I remember one of the speakers explaining the process of surgical consent and documentation. And what he said was that when he talks to patients with virtually every condition that he sees them for, he explained that they have basically three options. Option number one, no further treatment required. What that means is that you don't have to do anything. You can just live with the pain as it is. It means that decreasing your activity or stopping running, if that's what it takes, then so be it. It it, it may mean that you have to use a wheelchair instead of walking. So be it. But as a patient, you really don't have an option to do nothing, especially if you're a runner. You can't just learn to live with the problem the way that it is. I mean, you could do that, but no runner is really looking for that as an option. The second option he explained was that you have what we call conservative therapy. Conservative therapy is any treatment that is not likely to do a great deal of harm. This could include new orthotic inserts for your shoes, uh, oral medications, physical therapy, icing, taping. 
Basically, they're treatments that are, for the most part, considered to be safe and certainly non-invasive. The third option is surgical treatment. Surgery is invasive, and every doctor knows it. We know that there is going to be tissue damage. We know that you're going to have lots of potential risks. If you've ever had surgery and you keep your records, you should go back and look at your consent form. There is this whole list of things that you have to agree to, and you have to accept all the risks when you go into surgery, including pain, bleeding, nerve damage, risks of infection, slow wound healing potential, recurrence of the deformity, meaning that the problem wasn't actually fixed at all. And most consent forms, including mine, actually say have a clause that says that you understand there is a risk of death from complications of the surgery or from the anesthesia related to the surgery. Most of the time when I have patients read their consent form and they're considering surgery, we discuss all of these risks in detail. They often look at me and they'll say, well, but wait a minute, that's not going to happen to me, right? Well, I certainly hope not, but there's absolutely no guarantee. Surgical complications do happen. Granted, I've never had a patient die or had any of these horrible complications, but that doesn't mean they can't happen. And that doesn't mean that I'm different than any other doctor. It can happen to anyone. So now we're going to talk about all of the specific surgical procedures and what they actually mean in in detail, and specifically to you as a runner. There are a wide variety of surgical procedures that can be performed to treat chronic plantar fasciitis, but I think it's helpful for any runner to understand the difference between these various surgical procedures. The more you understand about the different options, the better informed you will be when you have a discussion with your foot surgeon so that you can make the best choice for you. Now, the first thing in terms of what's the most common surgery is uh, a plantar fascia release surgery, and that is really what's performed in the overwhelming majority of surgeries that are performed on the plantar fascia. So you have to understand that when a surgeon tells you they're going to do surgery on your plantar fascia, they're going to go in and release or cut part of the plantar fascia, and it isn't really going in necessarily to repair the, the damaged plantar fascia in the same way that someone would repair a ruptured Achilles tendon. It's very different. So... Certainly the most commonly performed surgery on the plantar fascia, the one that's been done the most times in all of medical history, is an open plantar fascia release surgery. This has likely been performed more times than any other type of surgical procedure in an attempt to cure plantar fasciitis. So this is one of the older procedures, and it's been around for a very long time. Now, when we say this is an open procedure, what we mean is that the surgeon makes an incision on the bottom of the foot or on the side of the foot near the plantar fascia where it attaches to your heel, They gain access to the plantar fascia through that incision. Then, once the surgeon dissects down to the plantar fascia, the plantar fascia is released when the surgeon uses a scalpel or surgical scissors to cut through a portion of the plantar fascia. In most cases, the surgeon will typically only intend to release the medial band of the plantar fascia. This is the part of the plantar fascia uh, on the inside of the foot, inside of the arch, inside of the heel, and that band of the plantar fascia that starts at the heel bone, passes under the arch, and then goes all the way out toward the big toe. Now, this is the portion of the plantar fascia that has the most tension on it, and it typically is the part of the plantar fascia that causes most of the discomfort in cases of chronic plantar fasciitis. So, once the surgeon cuts through the medial band of the plantar fascia, she will simply irrigate the incision and then close the skin with sutures, but there are no stitches in the plantar fascia itself. That is one point that you really have to understand. The surgeon does not actually do anything that's really fixing the plantar fascia. The goal with an open plantar fascia release surgery is simply to cut through the portion of the plantar fascia that has the most tension. The idea 
is that by releasing and relieving the tension, the pain will decrease over time because it won't be pulling with as much force. So plantar fascia release surgery actually creates a small gap between the portions of the plantar fascia that has been cut. Now, as healing takes place, scar tissue will fill in that gap. So in a sense, if all goes according to plan, the plantar fascia may be somewhat intact if the plantar fascia gap fills in with scar tissue, but it's just not the same structurally. In some cases, the gap that forms when the surgeon cuts it won't even heal together completely. And it is possible that some scarring will form between the sections of the plantar fascia that have been released. But in either case, it is unlikely that the medial band of the plantar fascia will be as strong as it was prior to the plantar release surgery. Overall healing times from plantar fascia release surgery can vary widely. One common routine is for uh, the doctor to place the patient in a cast or a fracture walking boot for a period of about four to six weeks. And it typically takes at least four weeks for any collagen formation to uh, begin to add any sort of structural integrity to the released plantar fascia. So it's very important that the foot remain in a fixed position while the healing takes place. Because of this, patients will usually wear a fracture walking boot or a cast, and some surgeons will also recommend crutches during the initial healing period to uh, make sure that it heals when you're not walking on it. That area will continue to heal for many months thereafter, and the remodeling of the collagen that has formed and developed scar tissue where the plantar fascia has been cut, it's going to continue to change for many months. The remodeling process could go on for a year to a year and a half. Now, I very clearly remember this episode when I was a student and I was working with a foot surgeon and uh, that he had actually had the plantar fascia release surgery. And I remember very clearly how he would explain to um, uh, patients and he explained to me that it took about a year before all of his pain really went away. So, of course, he would share this experience with his patients when when his patients were considering plantar fascia release surgery. So he would tell them, look, you have to have expectations that this is going to take a long time to heal. So, you know, he would tell them it would take about a year for them to get better. And that's not always the case, but that was just his experience. The next procedure to talk about is minimal incision plantar fascia release surgery. You're listening to the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Runner's Heel Pain, self-diagnosis and self-treatment written by the world's leading expert on runner's heel pain. When runners with heel pain get help from Dr. Segler through a virtual doctor visit, they ask the same questions. How do I know I really have plantar fasciitis? What do I have to do to get my heel pain to go away? How can I stay fit and keep running while I heal my plantar fasciitis? Dr. Segler wrote the book on runner's heel pain specifically so any runner like you could get the same answers he gives to patients he sees in person. He wanted to create a way you could get $500 worth of expert advice for less than the cost of a copay right now, without waiting for some doctor's office to open. Runner's Heel Pain, Self-Diagnosis and Self-Treatment. This book will teach you exactly how the world's leading expert on runner's heel pain helps runners run and heal. Get the Kindle version on Amazon today for only $14.95. All right, welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. The next procedure to talk about is minimal incision plantar fascia release surgery. So as the name explains, uh, it goes through a very small incision with the smallest incision possible. So minimal incision plantar release surgery is much like the open procedure, except it's just a smaller incision. 
Minimal incision surgery became very popular during the 1980s. The idea was that with less surgical dissection and less soft tissue disruption, the patient might have less swelling and experience faster healing after the surgical procedure. And when I was in residency and working with a number of different surgeons, I would often ask them their opinions about minimal incision surgery. And some of those surgeons actually joked that it should be called minimal decision surgery since the surgeon cannot actually see what she's doing. Very small incisions often equate to very poor visualization because you're basically working through a hole in the skin rather than just looking at the tissue. And although plantar fascia release surgery is relatively simple and it's not really that complicated, there's no question that the surgeon can see less when working through a very, very small incision. Many patients incorrectly assume that a smaller incision will always heal faster, but the truth is, is that skin heals from side to side, not from end to end. An incision on the top of the foot should be expected to take about two weeks to heal under normal circumstances. This is true if the incision is one inch long or if it's three inches long. The skin on the bottom of the foot is thicker and it takes a little bit longer to heal. An incision on the bottom of the foot will usually take about three weeks to heal. This also is true if the incision is one inch long or three inches long. The length of the incision really doesn't make a difference in terms of the overall healing time for the incision itself. Another similar procedure to minimal incision surgery is an endoscopic surgery on the plantar fascia. Now, an endoscope is basically a very small camera on the inside of a little metal tube that can be inserted inside the tissue so the surgeon can look around and see what's going on in there. Most patients I talk to seem to be familiar with arthroscopic surgery or a knee scope, and this is a very common technique that's used in knee surgery. And the doctor makes small incisions and then sticks the instruments in through the holes in the skin and then uses this small camera to see what she's working on. And endoscopic surgery is a lot like arthroscopic surgery. It's basically the same technique and similar instrumentation. It's just, it's just within the soft tissue and not inside the joint itself. Now, incisions in these uh, endoscopic procedures are smaller than those typically made through minimal incision surgery, uh, and the instrument is in, with a camera is inserted through one side of the foot, and then an instrument with a, a blade or a scalpel is inserted through the other side of the foot so that the doctor can actually look directly at the plantar fascia when cutting through the plantar fascia and then use the camera to confirm that all of the collagen fibers have been released even while maintaining very, very small incisions. So this has some of the same benefits of minimal incision surgery, yet has some of the advantages of an open procedure in that the doctor can actually look directly at the plantar fascia and see what he or she is doing when making those incisions and working on the plantar fascia. Now, depending upon the surgeon's training, she may not have been trained in arthroscopic or endoscopic surgery. So that's a special certification that uh, doctors are required to get. I actually... Uh, I did that training myself, so I went through the certification process, and and I do endoscopic plantar fascia release surgeries. Uh, And at this point, though, most podiatrists, I would say, have been trained in endoscopic procedures, but uh, so that certainly can be an option that they might offer to you. Now, although I have performed plantar fascia surgery using all of the above-mentioned techniques, endoscopic plantar fascia release 
is certainly my personal preferred method, but that's just my preference. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily best. So, you know, I like the idea of very small incisions. I also believe there is a very low risk of developing a painful scar with this technique since the scars are much uh, smaller. And, uh, but that's just my preference. So you have to talk to your doctor and figure out uh, which one your doctor is most comfortable with if you're really considering surgery. Now, because I see mostly patients who are runners and athletes, I become very concerned when thinking about the possibility of a large, potentially painful scar on the bottom of the foot. Obviously, if you have a painful scar on the bottom of your heel, it could bother you when you're running. So again, obviously, when I perform surgery on runners, my primary goal is to make sure that they will be able to run, not just that I'm going to fix the problem with the plantar fascia, but that they can actually continue to run. However, it seems like many doctors simply focus on the goal of getting the plantar fascia pain to go away. Now, that's not to say that it's not a worthy goal. However, if we get your plantar fascia pain to go away, but then you have pain on the bottom of the heel or in your arch when you run simply because you have a painful scar, I think it would be very difficult to label that a success. So make sure that you discuss these options with your doctor. And if you're really considering surgery, you have to make sure that you explain that you want to continue to run, not just get rid of your heel pain. Now, the next procedure to talk about is the 10X procedure, and that's T-E-N-E-X. So the 10X Health, it's actually 10X Health TX, uh, which some doctors just refer to as the 10X procedure. And this is a specific trademarked procedure. And although... Some doctors uh, on their websites and uh, when they talk to patients will say that this is an alternative to surgery, suggesting that it's non-invasive. It actually is a form of surgery. It's minimally invasive surgery. Granted, the incisions are very, very small, uh, usually only about three millimeters, and the surgical instruments inserted are about the size of large needles or, or a toothpick, but it is still surgery. So the procedure was developed to help remove portions of diseased or damaged tissue, particularly in tendons. And basically, it's an irrigation and vacuum system that removes debris uh, when a large needle cuts through and loosens diseased portions of the tendon. Now, because the plantar fascia is a large ligament made of collagen, much like a tendon, uh, doctors can perform this procedure and attempt to reduce the thickness of the plantar fascia in cases of chronic plantar fasciosis. Because these are very, very small incisions, the doctor does not look directly at the tendon, but instead is viewing the instrumentation via ultrasound guidance. So if the doctor is very experienced with ultrasound, they may be able to um, tell what they're doing pretty well. But if they're not very experienced in ultrasound, they may not be able to have the same sort of direct visualization that they would have with an open procedure or even with an endoscopic procedure. Another procedure that is minimally invasive is the topaz procedure. And the topaz procedure is um, similar to the 10x procedure, but instead of cutting away pieces of tissue uh, with a sharp instrument, the topaz procedure uses radio frequency waves that cause microtrauma to the scar tissue and areas of damaged collagen in the plantar fascia. The topaz procedure is intended to uh, target damaged areas of the tissue and induce a healing process and reverse the chronic degenerative process that takes place in cases of plantar fasciosis. This uh, procedure seems to be very technician dependent. I know lots of doctors that do it and have success, and I know lots of doctors that have done it and have not had so much success. But it is an option. It's very similar in terms of the approach and the surgical technique. Um, it's just a different form of minimally invasive surgery. 
But cryosurgery is another form of minimally invasive surgery. And in this case, instead of using sharp instruments or radio waves to break up the damaged tissue, an extremely cold probe is used, which is called a cryoprobe. Now, the cryoprobe is inserted under the skin to the plantar fascia, and it can reach temperatures of 70 degrees below zero Celsius. And the nerve cells in the area are destroyed by the freezing process. And uh, it's been reported that the most common adverse effect of cryosurgery is that some patients will develop discomfort in a different location of their their uh, heel or their arches. And in those cases, it's been reported that they'll start to walk differently in order to compensate for the new areas of inflammation. And, and in most of the cases, it seems like this can be treated with taping and, and other um, uh, conservative therapy, so it's not like you have to go back in and do surgery on it again, but it is something that can happen, and cryosurgery was relatively popular and sort of picking up speed when I was in residency, but um, I don't know that many doctors that are starting to do it now that weren't doing it at that time. Now, the topaz and 10X procedures are both usually performed in the operating room with the patient under anesthesia or under sedation monitored by an anesthesiologist. Cryosurgery, though, um, has the advantage of being able to be performed in a podiatrist office. So all three of these um, procedures that we just talked about are minimally invasive, and they're, um, but they're all sort of considered basically experimental, and they're not performed by all doctors. So if you're considering any of these options, it's important to make certain that your doctor has a lot of experience with that particular procedure. Now that we've talked about all the different surgical procedures and the different options, I think it's really important to talk more about the risks of surgery. You're listening to the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Runner's Heel Pain, self-diagnosis and self-treatment written by the world's leading expert on runner's heel pain. When runners with heel pain get help from Dr. Segler through a virtual doctor visit, they ask the same questions. How do I know I really have plantar fasciitis? What do I have to do to get my heel pain to go away? How can I stay fit and keep running while I heal my plantar fasciitis? Dr. Segler wrote the book on runner's heel pain specifically so any runner like you could get the same answers he gives to patients he sees in person. He wanted to create a way you could get $500 worth of expert advice for less than the cost of a copay right now, without waiting for some doctor's office to open. Runner's Heel Pain, Self-Diagnosis and Self-Treatment. This book will teach you exactly how the world's leading expert on runner's heel pain helps runners run and heal. Get the Kindle version on Amazon today for only $14.95. Alright, welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. Now that we've talked about all the different surgical procedures and the different options, I think it's really important to talk more about the risks of surgery. So as we talked about earlier, there are many potential risks of surgery, everything ranging from pain to death and everything in between. And as I explained, we don't really think you're going to die if we take you to the operating room, but it does happen in rare cases, so it is a risk. Now, possibly the biggest risk, or at least the most talked about risk, is complete rupture of the plantar fascia. In some cases, the plantar fascia will rip or tear all the way across the bottom of the foot. That doesn't usually happen in surgery. It usually happens after surgery when you start walking and getting back to activity or start running. And this can happen even if only a portion of the plantar fascia, like the medial band, has been released by the surgeon. This is a well-known possible complication of plantar release surgery. If the plantar fascia tears all the way across the bottom of your foot, it's no longer going to be able to support your foot at all. 
As a consequence of that, you can develop collapse of the arch and pain, particularly on the outside of the foot, because the bones on the outside of the foot start to get compressed and squeezed as the arch collapses down and then pushes your toes to the outside of the foot. This is a serious problem. Now that can result in not only additional surgery, including potentially even a flat foot reconstructive surgery, um, but it's a complete and total disaster for a runner. So although I would not go so far as to say that you wouldn't be able to run again if this happened to you, I would say that I would expect it to change your running form and your experience of running permanently because it would really change the structure of your foot if this happened to you. So I really think that there are special risks of surgery that are unique to runners. And believe it or not, I, I think there are special considerations that have to be taken into account when operating on runners. So as a runner myself, I believe the stakes are much higher for runners and athletes. Again, the goal is to make sure that you can run without pain, not just that we fix the plantar fascia and the problem of your heel pain. There are really three primary considerations that I believe are important to runners considering plantar fascia surgery. If you understand these risks, you can make sure to discuss them at length with your surgeon before you sign the consent form and head for the operating room. The first thing is instability of the foot. And we just talked about this a little bit in terms of how the foot can become unstable if you release and cut through the plantar fascia. Now, if you cut through a portion of the cables on the Golden Gate Bridge and then you patch it together, you cannot expect that the cable is going to have the same strength after it's been repaired. You have to remember that if you cut through the plantar fascia, you're cutting through little cables of collagen, and it will never be the same. The plantar fascia is not a decorative element. It's a structural one. It does cover all of the muscles and deeper structures in your foot, but it also provides architectural support. It helps stabilize your foot. If you cut through and release the plantar fascia, it can result in instability of the foot. So without getting into all the biomechanical details, just consider this. If you try to alter your running form, you'll notice some soreness in different places. You may have tried this. And for example, if you've been a chronic lifelong heel striker and then you deliberately work on your running form to shift to more of a forefoot or midfoot striker, you'll notice initially intense soreness in the muscles on the inside of the foot. This is totally normal. This isn't an injury. But those muscles are used to supporting you, but just not in that way. So when you change your running form, you can get all kinds of weird soreness. Now, some patients will actually get plantar fasciitis when they make that sort of shift. Some runners will get plantar fasciitis if they land as a heel striker. Now, there are many ways that you can run and place stress on the plantar fascia, but if you have released the plantar fascia and cut through it, it's just not going to be able to absorb as much of the force. It simply cannot carry its share of the weight anymore. You can never remove force. You can only move it somewhere else. So if the plantar fascia is not capable of absorbing its share of the work and all the force that gets distributed through it, then it gets distributed to other structures in your foot. As a consequence of that shift, you could end up with a higher risk of other overuse injuries after your plantar fascia release surgery. The second consideration that is unique to runners is scarring. And everybody can develop a scar, but I think it's a bigger problem for runners. I've seen runners who develop very small scars that seem like huge problems. And although it may seem kind of like a princess in the pea sort of phenomenon, it is a very real problem. If you put a very small rock on the inside of your shoe and then you go for a run, you'd probably find that very irritating. A little lump of collagen that develops as a result of scarring can be just as uncomfortable. The problem, of course, is that it's much more difficult to remove. 
I've treated a few patients that got painful scars after these sort of surgeries, and I've had a few cases where I've actually had to perform complicated rotational skin flap incisions using plastic surgery techniques that could change the position or location of the scar so it wouldn't be as irritating. Now, because of those experiences, I've always been very leery of the potential of scarring. Anytime you have a surgical incision, you're going to get a scar. In most cases, of course, the scar is not an issue. But if you get a scar, it can be a problem, particularly if you're a runner. If you run and you have a thick, painful scar, that may become a serious impediment to your running. So make sure that you talk with your doctor about your intent to get back to running so that you can be sure that you do everything possible to reduce your risk of developing a painful scar that could interfere with your running. Now, the next thing to talk about is weakness and stiffness. And one of the considerations that I don't hear physicians talk about a whole lot in detail is the weakness and stiffness that is almost certain to occur after you've been recovering from surgery. This is not necessarily a direct result of the surgery, but a consequence of the healing process when you're immobilized after surgery. Studies have shown that you can lose incredible amounts of fitness in a very short period of time when you're immobilized in a cast or if you're placed on crutches to protect an injured foot and ankle. And of course, this is one of the common strategies after plantar fascia release surgery. With most of the surgeries that we've been discussing here, you have to expect some period of immobilization, whether that's a cast or a fracture walking boot. In many of these cases, you'll also have a period of complete disuse of the foot and ankle because your foot is hanging in the air while you're moving around on crutches. You're not even walking on the foot. It takes a long time to get your strength back after a period of, of immobilization or non-weight bearing when you're using crutches. And if you've had any sort of complication from the surgery that results in you being immobilized for an extended period of time beyond the original expectation of your surgeon, you could end up with significant stiffness in the ankle and the Achilles tendon and all the supporting structures of your foot and ankle. And in some cases, that can be nearly impossible to completely reverse. And in the simplest sense, your foot is really just a lever attached to the end of your leg. And if the whole thing becomes less pliable and less capable of dynamically absorbing force, that's a problem. So if your ankle is weak and stiff, it's far less able to distribute those forces when you're running and you get back into your activities and your training after you've recovered from the surgery. And if you have that additional stiffness and weakness, that puts you at higher risk of all sorts of overuse injuries like stress fractures and various forms of tendonitis. So if you're a runner, the big take-home message here is that you have to understand there are many complications from surgery. Surgery on the plantar fascia doesn't really just fix the plantar fascia, it just changes the structure of your foot and particularly the plantar fascia so that the portion of the ligament that has the most tension on it then has less tension because it's been released. But it's not really a true fix in the way that many people think about fixing something surgically. So if this is your only option, it may be a great option, but you have to take into consideration the real risks that are unique to runners. Make sure that you discuss all of these risks that we've talked about with your doctor and push your doctor to help you develop an early mobilization plan, an early weight-bearing plan, or some other recovery strategy that can help mitigate all of these risks of developing weakness and stiffness and all of the different unique risks that you can have as a runner. If you and your doctor are thoughtful about these risks and you discuss your end goal of running, you can have a better chance that when you get back to running, you can continue to train 
and run just as much as you did before you started developing the plantar fasciitis. Remember, the goal is not just to fix the plantar fascia. The goal is to run without pain. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.